0: I would like you to turn back to, I would like you to turn back to Psalm number 85 and reading a few verses from Psalm 85 that was read earlier, beginning with verse 1. On to verse 7, shall we all stand as we honor God by the reading of his word? And verse 1 says, Lord, thou hast been favorable unto thy land. Thou hast brought back the captivity of Jacob. Thou hast forgiven the iniquity of thy people. Thou hast covered all their sin. Thou hast taken away all the, thy wrath. Thou hast turned thyself from the fierceness of thine anger. Turn us, O God for salvation. And cause thine anger toward us to cease. Will thou be angry with us forever? Will thou draw out thine anger to all generations? Will thou not revive us again? That thy people may rejoice in thee. Show us thy mercy, O Lord. And grant us thy salvation, and may the Lord bless the reading of His word to our hearts, as we send our thoughts today on the subject, the need for a revival. Heavenly Father, we come to you today just as we are. O oh God we are desperately in need of your miracle, a revival in our lives, in our church, and in our nation. Father, there is nothing too hard for you. Let your mighty hand rest on all that concern our lives. Restore unto us the joy of your salvation. Deliver us from every wall of confusion that threaten to distract us from doing your work and obeying your word. Open new doors of opportunity for us this week and this month and the rest of the year. Lead us into green pastures and beside the still waters. Restore our souls. and Father, our God, that a a revival will start right here at Shiloh and throughout our island and throughout this nation and throughout the Caribbean. Please, dear Lord God, defeat the forces of evil May Satan be defeated for. May some lost soul be saved here today. These mercies we ask through Jesus Christ, O Lord. Amen. You may be seated. This psalm is primarily associated with the children of Israel returning from captivity and returning to their homeland. The psalmist was not only interested in the land. But more importantly, he was interested in the relationship with Almighty God. The iniquity that once hindered relationship was taken away. But they were still groping in the ashes and the ruins that was brought about by the enemy in their land. The psalmist acknowledged the favor of God and the restoration that was brought about in spite of their sins and their backsliding. He found relief in God's care. But They lacked the passion and the willpower to repossess their possession that God had given to them. The joy that they once knew was no longer there. They were merely existing in their own homeland. That the Lord had restored to them. Look again. At verse 1. Refresh your memory. Lord. You have been favorable. To your land. You have brought back. The captivity of Jacob. Lord. You have forgiven the iniquity. Of your people. You have covered their sin. Turn again, O Lord. Turn us again. O God of our salvation, and cause thine anger to cease. Wilt thou, are you going to be angry with us all day? Wilt thou not revive us again, that thy people may once again rejoice? After being in lockdown for two years, and more. It seems that many have lost their joy in things and not what they used to be. Many churches have not as yet recovered and many have lost their way completely. Here in St. Kitts and Nevis, We can say like the psalmist. Lord, you have been favorable to our land. Many seem not even to acknowledge it and realize it. You have brought us back from the captivity of Corona. But the question is, have we been good to God I think not. With all that is happening and all that is going on, we can say that God has been good to us. But is God pleased with us? Have we forgotten where God has brought us from? The entire world need to stop And look at where we are heading. There is lawlessness on every hand. Even in religious circles. However, there is hope. Some of you may have heard of the revival that has started in a college campus in Asbury in Kentucky. A revival is breaking out there. Started about 10 days or 10 or 12 days ago. And they don't know when it's going to stop and they're just going to let it flow. And it is not going to get much attention from the news media because it is good news. News media is bad news. And they delighted it. As I understand it, the last time it happened there at that very university in Asbury was in 1970. And it spread to several campuses. I understand that it has already spread to another campus. But I guarantee you that the enemy is going to fight it and try to stop it. It is my prayer that it can get started and trickle down. You know, everything trickled down from America, except good, good news. I'm hoping that it trickle down right here in Ramsbury, and a revival start right here in Ramsbury. Here in M, Asbury. And so it could come down in, in Ramsbury. It only takes a spark to get a fire going. I don't know how it started, but the little I heard is that the students were meeting for chapel and they started praying and singing and it just went on and people heard about it from the Philippines and elsewhere and flew in there to be a part of it. You may be asking, what is a revival? Well, I'm glad you asked. In simple language, it is an outpouring of God's Holy Spirit. However, more formal definition will have it to say that a revival is when God interrupts our lives in a direct way to cause us to return unto him in a deliberate way. Boy, that is long, isn't it? (laughs) However, another simpler one. A revival is God that's at work restoring his church to health. Or a returning to the first love resulting in the conversion of souls. If we fail to do something, brethren, if we fail to do something to turn around this situation, something will do us. First and foremost, we need to wake up if there is going to be a revival. In Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 14, it says, Awake thou that sleepest, and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light and life. Amen. 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 First Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 34. Awake to righteousness. And sin not. There is too much sin in this place. And in the entire world. For some have not the knowledge of God. I speak to you ashamed. There is too much sin, and we need to learn to sin less. We are not sinless, but we got to sin less. Don't tell anybody that you have to sin every day. You don't. Christians ne- learn, need to learn to live committing sin. You do not have to practice sin. A child of God should not practice sin. Everyone is aware of the fact that I have had my three scores and ten and more. So, it means that I have more years behind me than I have ahead of me. And I am wondering if I will ever see a real revival in my time. I mean a nationwide revival. An island-wide revival. I have had revivals in my life. Individually. Individually. And others of you. And I specifically spoke to Sister Marvella this morning and asked her permission to use her as an example. In that, it is no secret that Sister Marvella was out there in the world. She had strayed from God. And she has returned. And as I spoke to her this morning, to use her as an example without permission, that she is... A living testimony of a revival. An individual revival. And others of you probably can speak to it. And I specifically did that because there are those of you who are still dabbling in sin and playing around and playing a little church and playing a little God, you know. Playing a little bit of Christian and a little bit of whatever else. And you need to come out of that and come in at this. Let us see revival starting here at Shiloh. Amen? Amen? Or better yet, Ramsbury, so that we could join Asbury. In keeping with our topic, very briefly, the need for revival. Number one, we need a revival That will resurrect the churches. Brethren, churches are fast asleep. There are those who cannot meet since the coronavirus for obvious reasons. There are those who are still meeting on Zoom. I sympathize with them. As you know, I am not a fan of Zoom. Zoom was good for the moment and for its time. Since we could not do otherwise, which I believe was all a setup. But a setup is a setback for a comeback, and this is the time for that comeback. In that we need to break through and experience a revival of God. Amen. But since the days of Zoom and Corona, Christians are sleeping and there are those who have no good reasons not to go to church. But talk about the meeting on Zoom and they get their sermon on Zoom. Forsake not the assembling of yourselves together. And while some are still messing around with Zoom, boy, I couldn't wait to break away from Zoom. I did not enjoy it, although I endured it. We need a revival that will resurrect the church. A revival that will get the church out of the grave. A lot of churches are in the grave and some are in the graveyard. And they can't get out. It's a revival that will get the church on the move once again. We are depending too much on technology. And we believe that we are reaching the world with this zoom thing, reaching what world. I was looking at something on YouTube and not going to tell you what it is. And the number of people normally come and tell you how many people are viewing and how many people responding, not one person was responding. And guess how many people are viewing? One, me alone. And I said, sorry for this because me are going to turn it off right now. You ain't going to let nobody viewing. <laughs> and they probably talk about that. They're talking about, hello world. Hello, what world? The world is that listening. We need to get back to the place where we meet, where the rubber meets the road, where we meet the people, amen, physically. We are depending too much on technology. And people think that technology, technology, yes, technology is good and it has some good, but it has more bad than good. Technology is more evil than it's good. Why do you think so many people losing their money? Because of technology. If you don't, you believe me, ask my friend, here. Um, I'm not going to call anybody's name. The only reason why they have not hacked my account as yet is because they don't check it and say, a couple of penny hit me that he got, then not worth it. <laughs> and if I had 12 million dollars, I would have done take it out of the bank and put it in my mattress because nobody thinks that anybody deals with mattress anymore. But anyway, anyways. <laughs> There are people here in Nevis whose account have been hacked and money removed. Why? Because these scammers out there know everything. You think they don't know how much money you have? But I think nothing is secret. And so we need a revival and we'll get the church on the move and get off of Zoom. And get out there to meet people. And you know people who are glad for uh, Corona so that nobody could come to their house and knock and talk about God. And long after Zoom, nobody wants to see you. And especially if, if something tickles your throat and you cough, boy, people start to run like you have the plague. <laughs> You're in a bank and you sneeze. Oh my goodness. Everybody going for cover. So we need a revival that will get us onto the move again where we could knock on doors and visit people. Amen. A revival that will bring back a new vision. Where there is no vision, the people perish. And people on the Zoom and talking about, hello world, and the world not out there watching. They're not watching. God is telling us, get back to the one-on-one, meeting people one-on-one. Amen. 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 Number two, not only that we need a revival that will resurrect the churches, but we need a revival that will rekindle the fires that once burned within our churches. When we think about the fire that burned, we're talking about the fire that lightened up the soul, that once lightened up the soul and get people excited about the things of the Lord. Our lights have gone out. Like the five foolish virgins who talk about, give us some of your oil because our lamps have gone out. Gone what out? They did not have any oil to begin with. And when they were told, go to those that sell and buy. Brethren, the church light has grown and gone dim. No more could people see the light of Christ in the people of God. People of God need to wake up. Technology. You know, one of the things about technology, and I wish to God that people would do like me, leave your phone in the car, because right now I could see some of you, your head down, and I guarantee you are there texting from my vantage point. And this is one of the things why I don't like to see people bring phones to church. The young people, they're not listening to anything. I mean, you come to worship God, and you're going to be there texting. I was going on the road and I saw people coming up towards me, and I stopped, and at the last minute, they pull off. I guarantee that person is there was texting or some foolishness. The light has gone out. The lack of interest in the things of God in this generation. That's so why I tell you I have a cell phone there. I'd like to get you rid of it. But they'll think I'm crazy. It's a distraction. Cell phone and texting and always texting and you're walking down the road and you can't afford to put away this silly thing. And you're texting. You you could get killed. Somebody in the car texting, and you don't no notice. They come right and kill you. Don't drive and text. Don't walk and text. Don't worship and text. Number three. We need a revival that we rebuild. That will rebuild. Rebuild broken fellowship. broken fellowship with god broken fellowship with your brethren broken fellowship with your own family members they need to be mended and only a revival could bring about these things families husband and wives siblings cannot get along. If there is a revival, all that will be gone. We need to put these things aside. Get along with each other. If I may, go back a little bit. I'm talking about the disadvantages of this cell phone thing and the distraction. Time that should be spent doing things that are worthwhile is spent, especially for the younger ones, computer games. Last minute. This generation is so last minute. And one of the things that technology has taught us very well is how to be impatient We don't know how to wait upon the Lord. Everything has to be instant. 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 One of the big detriments to our health is instant foods. Everything has to be instant. People hardly cook anymore. And I'm guilty. You take things out of the freezer and put it right into the microwave. One minute and you there, crack your finger. Hurry up, hurry up, hurry up, hurry up. Once upon a time, you take it and you put it in the sink to defrost. And afterwards, you clean it. And then you season it. And then you put it in the oven. And wait on the oven. People don't have time for that. And I keep hearing him saying. With all these. Time saving devices. We still don't have time. We don't have time for ourselves. We don't have time for God. Or with God. We don't have time. For family. And again. I'm the first to confess I'm guilty. At nights, my wife and I, back to back, she and the phone, and me on the phone, me and my phone, looking to see if all the messages that come in. And some people not all angry. You mean I text him since morning, and, and this is almost midnight, and you don't answer me yet. You could stop there. <laughs> Sometimes, say, listen, Marilyn, it's time to put away the phone and put away the phone. Um, it's time for devotion. But <laughs> well, let me move on before I get myself in trouble. Um, <coughs> you see why you're telling me why you get you out of something there? <laughs> because if I didn't have that thing there, we wouldn't be back to back. We would be otherwise. Well, let's move on here. <clears throat> Lord, forgive us. Lord, help us. You laugh, and you well know you're guilty, you do it too. That's why I tell you. when I go down in my garden, I say, Marilyn, this is my phone here. If anybody calls, take a message. If it's urgent, call me. If it is not, tell them I'll call back later. Because when I'm doing in my garden, I'm not only doing gardening, I'm talking with God. And I don't want to be interrupted. People think that I have to have that thing there wherever they go. Gentlemen, I warn you to, do not put that thing there in your pocket. Especially your side pocket, you may put it in your back pocket, but keep it out of your side pocket. I warn you. <laughs> Let me move on. I am not a doctor. The doctor is a doctor, will tell you. I have been warned not to put my phone in my pocket. It's too close. My private parts is gonna cause problems. I keep it in my hand. Listen. If I keep my phone in my hand and my car key on the phone and I press the door, it would not open. I have to move the key away from my phone in order to get it open. There is too much technology in that thing there. There is so much technology in it That whenever I come in this church here, I leave my phone in my car. Nobody disturb me. I know some of you bring it and you say that you're reading your Bible on it. Listen, bring your Bible to church along with your cell phone. Finally, number four. We need a revival that will restore our Christian joy. Many Christians have lost their joy. Brethren, there are too many backslidden Christians. And that is why we are not seeing a revival. How many backslidden Christians do we have in this church? I don't know. But you ask yourself, are you a backslidden Christian? You don't understand why we can't have a church-wide revival? You understand why we can't have an island-wide revival? And a nationwide revival? Imagine... In a little, little nation like this. We have already had four murders. I and mean, we're two months yet. If we keep it up. Two per month. It will increase later on. So we are going to be heading. For maybe 24. Maybe 36. In a little place like this. You think God is pleased with this bloodshed. Shedding innocent blood. And you expect that God to give us a revival in all this? This is happening because the churches have fallen asleep. The Christians are backslidden. Too many backslidden Christians. Too many disgruntled Christians. They're disgruntled about everything. You talk about angry Christians that get upset and bloody at top for every little foolishness? Calm down. What I said, see, down. See, down. Get a drink of water and hold it in your mouth. I've never seen Christians get upset so easily at nonsense. many defeated Christians. Christians turn sour at the least little thing. Some do not want a revival because it will change their lifestyle. They enjoy their ungodly lifestyle. and So they don't want a revival. In Habakkuk chapter 3 and verse 2 it says, Oh Lord, I have heard thy speech And I was afraid. Oh Lord, revive thy work in the midst of the years. In the midst of the years, make known in wrath, remember mercy. Habakkuk prayed and asked the Lord for revival. He asked the Lord to revive his work in the midst of the days. the ruthless army conquered their land and destroyed it. However, he remembered the Lord's power. And so he asked the Lord, please help us, deliver us from evil. Boy, this world is so evil. He prayed and asked the Lord for revival. He asked the Lord to revive his works. Revive his church. Revive his people. This prayer remains the inner longing and our cry to God to heal our land and to revive our churches. We have read the Bible and learned of the beautiful and miraculous things that God had done through his prophets and through his people. Studied that in our Sunday school class this morning. how Elisha was sought after because Elijah stayed in his little house and knew exactly what was going on in the king's bedroom. And the king asked, how did they get this secret? What happened? The CIA and the FBI leaks all, leak our all secrets. They said, no, no, no. The FBI was not here. Well, not little, really. <laughs> And the CIA don't know anything about you. Is a man down there in uh, Samaria. They call um, um, Elijah. And he knows everybody's secret. We asked a question this morning in Sunday school class. How in the world did the people knew that it was Elijah? Boy, the CIA must have been there. And he's in an army. A whole big army to get in, uh, one, one little prophet. One man could have gone on there and hold him by the back of his pants and pull him out. There's in a whole big army. And when Elijah's uh, handyman looked out and he saw the army, he said, my lord, my lord, my master, what are we going to do? Look at the army out here. Elijah said, boy, what's wrong with you? They that are with us are far more than those that are with them. You know the power of God. Elijah went out and said to them, Hey, gentlemen, um, who you are you looking for? They said, we are looking for a man named Elijah. He said, come I'll show you where he is. Elijah smote them with blindness. And Elijah said, come, follow me. Let me show you where the, the Elijah is. Elijah led the whole army into the camp of the Israelites. And when Elijah got in they tell him close the gate. And then after they closed the gate, Elijah said, "Lord, open your eyes." When they opened their eyes, they saw the were in the camp of the Israelites, and Elijah standing before them, the very man of God. Let them. Breathing It seems as though that this world has been smote with blindness. You cannot see the glory of God. And that they that are with us are more than they that are with them. God's people don't know what it is to live by faith. We have become like scary cats and we are afraid, afraid, afraid to do that. I'm afraid to do that. You're afraid of your sins. have we to fear if we have God? We live by faith and not by sight. And all my life I've been living by faith. I live by faith. When the banks told me every time I go get a loan for my house every bank, every commercial bank told me how you buy your groceries. I did all the exaggeration and told him I make $1,500 a month. There's $1,500 a month. I said, wow. Now I know why so many fat people in this place. here. you tell me that they take $1,500 for their grocery bill? Well, that was back then when $1,500 was $1,500. And they me, asked me, how do I buy my groceries with $1,500 a month? Then I know, boy, need these people work for a lot of money. I tell you, I had to go to the development bank. Asked him for sixty thousand dollars to build me house. He said that sixty thousand dollars with fifteen hundred dollars a month, we could only give you forty eight thousand. And I never missed a payment. Fifteen years. And as I told him in Sunday school this morning, when I was about halfway through. By faith, never missed a payment. Old people don't miss their payment, a young people miss their payment. young people falter on loans. I know they're thinking, old people has one foot in the grave and one foot out of the money. Young people have both foot in the grave. (laughs) More young people are dying than old people. Not only by faith, not by sight. Every vehicle that I've ever bought, not one of them was from a commercial bank. Not one of them would consider me. Either credit union or Finko. When Finko came here on this scene, I said, thank God. It was like manna from heaven. Never had a problem with Finko. Never missed a payment with Finko. Commercial banks would never consider me. But a lot of people, they consider, can't pay the loan. Because they had big salary. But they lived their big life. They're not good judge of character, I promised them, but they're not listening to me. They live by funds; we live by faith. Amen. 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 I've had very little dealing with commercial banks because they didn't want to have any dealing with me because I did not have any money. I still don't have any money, but I don't let anybody know. Just before I got married, I had a good friend. And she told me, Pastor Maynard, she was wealthy. She was well off. And she told me, she knew that I was poor. She said, don't let anybody know that you're poor. Never let anybody know. And I never let anybody know. And even me tell them they don't believe me. Thank God they don't believe me. <laughs> and how I know they don't believe me. You've got to keep working in my house and can't find nothing. <laughs> she said to me, if people know that you're poor, they'll treat you a certain way. But if they know and they feel as though that you're not poor, they're going to treat you another way. And boy, they have treated me nice. <laughs> God, they don't know that I'm poor. I don't tell them. I live by faith in God and trust God to meet my needs. Thank God for think and credit card. Amen. My wife keep laughing here saying that. And they keep come borrowing from you. Some come. Pastor Maynard could lend me $5,000 this Friday. I want to say, I'm going on to the bank to borrow $5,000 to give you. You pass all the bank and them downtown. <laughs> And you can't fall the way up here. Brethren, you just gotta trust God. Amen? amen. Don't let people know that you're poor. Because if you never know you're poor, they you never come to you go borrow money. Trust in God. Brethren, we need a revival among God's people and trust God to do the impossible. And I've seen God done that. Trust Him. And we need a revival where the people of God will learn to trust God and don't trust money. You have it, use it, yes. And use it wisely. God give it to you. Give back some to God. Amen. So you leave it all there in the bank. You take it out. And when you go up to heaven, you know, give God none. You expect God to give you a big mansion. And God not all to say to you. Listen. You see the hot day I gave you? It's because that's the money you sent up here and that's all he could build. <laughs> I don't know about that really. God is building mansions. but Listen man. Come on man. Give God some of the money that you have. You, you, you put it there. Savings. Invest. Buying shears. Amen. 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 You invest in heaven. You, inv- you don't invest in a company. You expect to get dividends from it? You don't invest in heaven. You expect to get big mansion and a lot of corn when you get up there? No. In closing, there's a song that we used to sing a long time ago. I can't tell you the last time that we have ever sung this song. I don't know if you have ever sung it since we've been in the sanctuary. It says, Lord, Send a revival and let it begin in me. Have we ever sung that song here? I don't think so. We don't like it because you don't get a lot of bounce. You don't have a lot of, you know, so that everybody could dance. You know, and all we want is them songs that can make us dance. But when we sing, Lord, send a revival and let it begin to me. There ain't no dance here. It says, send a revival, O Christ my Lord. Let it go over the land and sea, all over the Federation of Saint Kitts and Nevis. Send it according to Thy dear word, and let it begin in me. Send a revival among Thine own. Help us to turn from our sins. Let us get nearer the Father's throne. Revive us again. We pray. Send a revival to those in sin. Help them, O Jesus, to turn to thee. Let them, or let them, the new life in thee begin. Oh, give them a victory. Last answer said, send a revival in every heart. Draw the world nearer to thee. Let the salvation true joy impart and let it begin in me. Send a revival in every heart. My prayer, since the year began, I've been praying, Lord, send us a revival. Daily I'm praying that God send us a revival. And when I heard that that revival started in Ashbury, or Asbury, not Ashbury, Asbury, I said, Lord, let it trickle down to Ramsbury. We need it. We need it. And everyone would say, Lord, send a revival and let it begin in me. This is our prayer today. And let us pray that God would send us a genuine revival starting here today in every heart, every backslidden Christian, everyone who is not saved. May you come to know the Lord as Savior and your Savior and Lord.